Welcome to the London First Baptist Church podcast. This is the Sunday morning service of December 25th, Christmas morning, uh, 2022, from Pastor Brett Cottrell. Once again, Merry Christmas. I can, uh, the, the, as this week just kept on going, I thought to myself, I am so excited to be able to spend some of my Christmas day, my Christmas morning with my friends and my family in the Lord. And I am so grateful you have chosen to be here with us. If you are watching online with us tonight or this morning, I am also grateful for your presence. This morning we've already heard, we've already read some in the Gospel of Luke. I want you to keep that Luke chapter 2 passage that uh, was read a little bit earlier. Keep a, keep a thumb there, but I also want you to turn to the book of Titus. You may be thinking to yourself, Titus? Oh yeah, we don't only think of Titus perhaps as a Christmas passage, but Titus chapter 3. Now, if you're kind of wondering where that's at, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, and then Philemon. It's, it's very easy. You can, just, you can very accidentally just turn right past it, just a couple pages. Titus chapter 3. I'm sure on a morning like this, uh, many of you have all kinds of memories associated with Christmas morning. Uh, it might be smells. I remember we generally would spend the night on Christmas Eve at my grandparents' house. Uh, I got to usually sleep on a, on a love seat sized hide-a-bed. And y'all know how comfortable hide-a-beds are, right? Uh, even as a little kid, I'm going, man, that thing, that bar is right there in the middle of my back. And so I wasn't always sleeping very well anyway. And of course, you're kind of excited for Christmas morning. But then what I really remember is I remember waking up always to that sound of sizzling and the smell of bacon in the morning. Because that was the first thing, because we fixed a big breakfast in the morning. That was almost as good as what followed, which was, of course, presents. Oh, I love presents. Don't, don't, we, don't we all love gifts on, on, on Christmas morning? It's, it's amazing the things you remember. One of the very first things I remember, uh, I think I, I must not have been more than four or five years old. And I think I, I, I know I'd gotten some type of truck. You know, it, and uh, I, I'm not so sure it wasn't one of those. Some of you remember these, the, the actual metal yellow Tonka trucks. I don't know if this was that Christmas or not, because I had one of those. That was great. If you can find one of those, let me know. But it was a, it was a, it was a truck that was big enough for a five-year-old to kind of, you know, you want to go really fast, and, and they had a, we could kind of make a loop around their house, or, and so you could kind of lean on it at four, five, six years old and push it and just go really fast. And at some point, I remember on a Christmas morning, having that thing, running circles, pushing it around my grandparents' house, and hitting something, falling, whatever it was, and skidding and breaking my very first bone. Broke my finger. It's still twisted to this day. It's amazing the things we remember. Uh, sometimes it's not necessarily the gifts, just the stuff that goes around the gifts. It's the smells, it's the breaking of bones, all those fun things. Well, there is, of course, a great gift that we are talking about this morning. We've already read the account of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. I want to read for you in Titus chapter 3, if you will, a bit of a, for lack of a better term, a commentary, an explanation of what Luke 2 means. Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 4. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly 
through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Heavenly Fathers, we come to Your Word this morning as we remember the giving of Your gift to us. Would You fill us with hope, with joy, and with the reminder of Your kindness to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Kindness is not something that is earned or deserved. Kindness, mercy, grace, these things are by very definition given to those who need them, not because they're somehow deserving of such things, but simply because they are in need of such things. If mercy uh, was deserved, then it wouldn't be mercy, would it? If grace was earned, it wouldn't be grace. When we think about the Christmas story in Luke 2 and in Matthew 1, and we look at this passage in Titus, we find ourselves thinking to us, this, this thing that Titus says here is that the kindness of God made an appearance. Now you and I are perhaps pretty accustomed to the idea of thinking about God in the terms of love and grace and mercy. But understand at the time of the accounts of Luke chapter 1 and 2, associating a God, if you were from Babylon or Rome or Greek or Greece, if you were thinking about the gods, you weren't thinking necessarily about mercy and grace and kindness. You were thinking primarily about love, or, or I'm sorry, you were thinking primarily about power and about not making them mad. In fact, most of the ancient gods were associated primarily with power. From ancient Egypt to the Babylonian gods to the to the Canaanite gods, to the Greek and to the Roman gods. Power was the operative word when it came to thinking about a deity of, or gods of some sort. In fact, they were often associated with natural disasters or natural, uh, natural world wonders, such as the moon or the stars or the sun. Maybe the oceans or the weather itself or volcanoes. Powerful, temperamental. The gods were often seen sometimes even as selfish. And if you wanted some type of favor, if you wanted something from the gods, you had to make sacrifices, you had to jump through hoops, you had to convince them that you were worth their attention, and then maybe they wouldn't hit you upside the head, maybe they would do what you wanted them to do. And so all these religions were based around this idea of, if I could just keep the God from getting angry, if I could get him in a good mood, then I can get what I want from him. That's how people thought about the gods. Say or do the wrong thing and you're in trouble. The truth is, even the ancient Israelites sometimes looked, like, looked to the God of Scripture, the one true God in that way, despite the fact he made himself known in something completely different, in a different way. Even today, if, we, if you and I aren't careful, we can approach God in this way. If I appease Him, if I satisfy His conditions, if I live the right way, if I say the right things, if I write the right amount of money to a check, then maybe I can get what I want from God. Maybe He'll like me. But that is not what the birth of Christ in a manger is about. God was not coming to a people who had earned or would earn His favor. He wasn't coming to a people who had endured so much as to have earned his intervention. In fact, Titus is reminding us this morning that Jesus' birth is not an act of deserved deliverance. It is an act of kindness and mercy and grace. Paul reminds Titus as he's writing to him that we, you and I, 
the verses before that, ones we read, are in actuality foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved to our own selfish desires for pleasure and for, uh, and for evil, and even for self-centeredness. But mercy and grace, these are the words that describe God's love for His people. And despite our attempts at earning it, which are always falling short, God gave us kindness. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared. Now this is a, a new concept for many in those days. Again, they didn't really think about God's and grace going together. This is even in the Scriptures, the premise of Satan and, and God's conversation in the book of Job. If you remember back to Job chapter 1 in that book of the Old Testament, and essentially God holds out Job as, a, as an icon, if you will, of faithfulness. And Satan goes, well, of course he, of course he does. You, you, you blessed him. He likes you. You give him stuff. <laughs> You've bribed him, God. And so, of course, that's at one point God says, listen, you, you take away the stuff. And we'll see who he worships. And of course, we know what all happened to Job, and we know the end of the story. As those who follow Jesus this morning, you and I are not only those who don't deserve mercy, but we are surrounded by those who don't deserve mercy. How many of you have encountered people, whether they were at Walmart or at the gas station or just on the road, who did not deserve mercy in the last 48 hours? <laughs> we are surrounded by them. And again, those words, mercy, grace, kindness, have no meaning if, in fact, they're only given to those who are righteous, only to those who have deserved them. We are surrounded by those who don't deserve it. But as those who wear the name of Christ this morning, we love, we display, and give these things precisely because they aren't earned. So that, in turn, by doing so, we can magnify and display the kindness of our God to us. The kindness that appeared that Titus is referring to. Angela and I, through the years, have occasionally enjoyed going to musicals, theater, Broadway theater-type productions. And, and whether it's in Little Rock or in Atlanta where we used to live, we enjoyed going to those things. Several years ago, when we still lived in Atlanta, we had the opportunity to go to see Phantom of the Opera. And it's, a, it's billed, even though it was in Atlanta, it's billed as a Broadway production. It's got the same songs, the same production quality, the same actors. It's the same thing you would have seen in New York, except it was in Atlanta. Same show, different venue. Basically, that's the idea. And perhaps you have seen some of those types of things. Well, when, uh, when, when Christ came to us and displayed or God's kindness appeared. When Jesus was born, God's display of kindness and grace was on show, if you will, being revealed in that stable to the shepherds, to Mary and Joseph, to the world, even though very few perhaps even recognized it at that time. Yes, it's a kindness of God, or I'm sorry, it, it, it was kindness of God displayed in what we sometimes call the nativity scene. It's the kindness of God that was displayed throughout Jesus' life when he, for example, turned the water into wine and saved a family from public humiliation. It's God's kindness in restoring the sight to a blind man and to uh, restoring the ability to walk and to work to those who could not. It's 
God's kind is seen in, in the life of a leper who was healed. Not just the fact that Jesus healed the leper, but the fact that he touched him. This was God's kindness on display. Jesus' kindness was on display even when he allowed a prostitute to come into the same room with him and to anoint him with oil and to worship him. It's seen in his going to Zacchaeus' house and being a guest. In the same way that Angela and I saw the same musical that took place in New York in Atlanta, same show, different venue, when you and I, this morning, display kindness to someone else, guess what we're doing? We are taking the display of kindness that God talked about in Luke chapter 2, that Titus is describing in his, or that Paul is describing in this little letter to Titus, and we are now becoming God's display of kindness on the road. <laughs> when you are kind and when you are merciful, when you are gracious to those around you, this morning and the next day and the next day, you're taking God's kindness on the road. Isn't that pretty cool? You, we this morning get to be displays of the graciousness, the kindness of God. Not just when He has done it for us, but when we get to do it for those around us. It's a display of kindness to, by God towards us, by the way, not just to bring us into His salvation, not just... To, to rescue and redeem us from our sins, but it's a display of God's kindness to me and to you when we in turn get to display it to others. It is a kindness of God to be called to serve Him, to live for Him and to display that as well. Now the idea of God's kindness being displayed in us is, is not new. This morning, if you haven't already, and some of you may have already opened up a couple of gifts, I'm guessing, but if you go home here in just a few moments and you, and you open up some gifts, I've heard the question through the years given like this, why do we give gifts? If it's Jesus' birthday, why do we give gifts? Well, one thing I remember hearing quite a bit as a kid was, well, we give gifts because we can't really give gifts to Jesus on his birthday, so we give gifts to each other. Huh? Y'all heard that, maybe? Maybe that was just me, I don't know. Well, that's, that, that's fine, but I think there might be a little more to it. When we give gifts... When we go through the, the process of shopping, preparing, maybe even wrapping, maybe just buying the gift bag because you can't wrap. When we go through that process of thinking about what it is we're going to give somebody, and then in, in turn we give gifts at Christmas. We don't give gifts because someone has so impressed us throughout the year that we go, okay, well, you, I'm going to get you something because you earned it. I'm not going to, you know, that's a, that's a Christmas bonus. Yeah, I, we don't give gifts that reason, for that reason, do we? Why do we give gifts? Because we love. Because we want to display kindness. Gift giving, even at Christmas, is in a very small way a display of what God has already done for us. We are if you will, a bit, giving people a glimpse, those in our lives a glimpse of the kindness of God by displaying His kindness to one another. Several years ago, it's been actually about 20 years ago now, actually, come to think of it, it's been exactly 20 years. <laughs> 20 years ago, we had just moved to Texas. We were serving at a church, and they had, at the time, a, a, a tradition of doing a live nativity outside their church. 
So I got to be part of my very first, and by the way, my only live nativity. And the reason it's my only one is because as we were setting up, and we had several guys who were farmers and had animals and whatnot, so we're setting up the live nativity. Now, in all my descriptions I've seen in the scriptures or all the nativity scenes, I haven't seen these, but we had a guy that brought goats. Now, I've seen sheep, seen donkeys, even seen some camels. But this guy brought goats. Unfortunately, the goat got out. And so a half hour before the live nativity, we are now uh, uh, chasing through downtown Anahuac, Texas, goats. Now, I had multiple classes in seminary, but none of them were on goat wrangling. We find ourselves chasing goats. The idea is to catch the goat, bring it back, and somehow that goat's going to help us display the kindness of Christ. I don't know. It's the last last live nativity I've ever been a part of. (laughs) The goat did it for us. But we we are seeking when we do things like that. Not just in gift giving, but whether it's a service like this morning or whether it's a live nativity or a production or whatever it might be doing. We're, again, seeking to display the kindness, the graciousness, the mercy of God. It made an appearance 2,000 years ago, and I pray desperately that this morning it makes an appearance as well. As you gather with your families, as you gather with your friends, as you perhaps have already gathered, as you celebrate today and tonight and the next day, that the kindness of God that appeared in Luke chapter 2 and in Matthew chapter 1, and Titus, or that Paul is talking about here in Titus chapter 3, that that kindness is displayed. I pray it's not only displayed as you gather around a tree. I pray it's also displayed when you're returning stuff at Walmart on Tuesday. (laughs) I pray that it's displayed on Thursday and Friday. For that's what this world needs to see, is the kindness of God made visible. When the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds, which we've done, but according to His mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly. I want you to see a couple of things. That phrase of washing, of regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Spirit. These are words that have, of course, the idea of cleansing and also have the idea of rebirth. The truth is, Jesus' birth makes possible our birth. I'm not talking about our physical birth, but I'm talking about our spiritual birth. John chapter 3, Jesus has that long conversation with Nicodemus and says, you must be born again. Of course, we know this morning that only happens through our relationship with Christ himself. Jesus' birth makes possible our birth. His resurrection makes possible our renewal and our resurrection. The one who was born to God's dearly beloved undeserving people was born in such a way that it made possible for us you and i this morning to be also reborn and given eternal life when the angels that morning or that night sing a peace on earth and goodwill to all upon whom his favor rests the only peace that part of the world in that day and age ever knew was peace at the edge of a sword they knew peace when the romans came in and said i said shut up that was their only peace they knew And yet when he sings of peace and goodwill, it's an entirely different thing. 
Jesus was born in Bethlehem because of God's mercy. He was born in a stable, a farm, uh, a farm area for animals. Born in dirt, if you will, so that you and I can be washed clean. Born in poverty, that you and I may have great riches. Born in, uh, among rumors and, and innuendo and gossip, that we might be vindicated. Born even on the run, as he will be in the first years of his life, so that you and I may have an everlasting home. This is all a result of God's grace, His salvation. And by the way, these things, as He says there in verse 6, are not given to us sparingly, but they're given to us richly, lavished on us, poured out on us. And by the way, that means that we can in turn give these things out generously. Earlier in the morning we saw a video on the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And there is truth here. Sometimes giving means financially. It means material to make possible the, the work of God and taking the gospel throughout to the four corners of the world. But it also means a heart, maybe even more so. It means a heart that's willing to sacrifice, to risk pain and rejection, maybe even being shamed by others who don't understand. And yet, despite all that risk, pours out the grace and mercy and kindness to those around them who don't deserve it. For in that, we display the kindness of God towards us. Maybe sometimes we have trouble accepting God's overflowing kindness for ourselves that we read about in Luke 1 and 2. Maybe we don't realize how rich in grace and mercy that we are. If we only truly this morning realized how rich, how richly we have been blessed with mercy and grace and kindness, we could in fact be incredibly generous with those things to those around us. As difficult as Mary Joseph's life would be, leaving Nazareth, being forced to go from not only to Bethlehem, but eventually having to leave Bethlehem and leave to go to Egypt under threat of, the, of death for, for Jesus. As difficult as the task that Mary would face in the coming years, raising Christ, and we don't know at what point Joseph died, but at some point he, we know he died before Jesus at least got to uh, adulthood. All that Mary faced in front of her when the angel showed up she recognized it was God's mercy and God's favor that called her to that life. We are this morning a people who, as we know from Luke and Matthew and even Titus, who have received the kindness of God, not just in our salvation, but in being called to follow Him and maybe in displaying grace and mercy and sometimes even enduring difficulty in that process. So others might know the mercy of God. It's a gift of grace not only to be rescued, but to give mercy and grace in the rescue of others. To not only receive gifts, but to share them as well. I pray that as we gather this morning, that we know not only the gift that God has given us, but that we know the mercy and grace of sharing His gifts with those around us. We are a people this morning richly blessed, 
poured out on by the Holy Spirit. Because at the right time, God's kindness made an appearance.